Here we go. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia. On Rock Radio UK, the Blues Channel, you are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadu, and I've got a great show for you today. Today, our featured artist is Ben Levin. He's got a brand new release out. We'll be listening to tracks from that. And of course, we'll be talking with Ben at the top of the hour. Now, this is the voice of Indie Blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new, original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, and artist interviews, and so much more. In the meantime, I have got some great new music I know you're going to love, and some great new artists I can't wait to introduce you to. And of course, I aim to misbehave.
What kind of fool would even try? Transparent words, stars in your eyes, easy to see. I've been hypnotized. What kind of fool? What kind of fool am I? Fool am I? What kind of fool 
in this world that brings a strong man to his knees. I'll do what I got to do to survive. No, I ain't going down. No, no, I ain't going down. I ain't going down. When it all comes undone, I will be the one to let the bad bring me down.
he was hit by a truck and you were lying out in that gutter dying and you had time to sing one song. Huh? One song.
fortune of fame Wives left you for a richer man Do the boogie Do the boogie Feel so good Do the four hills boogie tonight independent artist or a fan that loves them making a scene.org is the place for you for the music fan
fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. me long time ago that you loved me so you were the love of me never set me free no you so fine could have you all the time you know you're my girl and love you out the world So fine, I got to love you all the time. Say you'll be mine, I'll never set you free. Fine. Always 
That's it. That was it. <laughs> from his brand new release and we got ben on the line right now hey ben how are you hey i'm doing well richard thanks for uh thanks for having me well thank you for coming on the show again now you've been on the show a few times but we always like to give our fans an opportunity to really get to know who you are and the best way to do that is through your journey so give us the story of ben levin yeah well you know i've been around music my whole life my my father is a musician he plays guitar uh and so you know since i was a baby i've always been around it and when i was about six years old a, a family friend gave us a piano to put in our house and i started taking lessons and i actually started in uh lessons with classical music and i absolutely hated it you know, I uh, it got to the point where I was almost in tears, headed to uh, piano lessons, and finally my dad says, "Well, you can quit." Like, Thank God. And uh, then the the next year, I, I got connected with a teacher, a, a young guy. I think his name is Paul. And what I, I loved about working with him is he would come to the house and he'd say, "Ben, what do you want to learn today?" And so we work on whatever was was popular at the radio at that time. You know, he might teach me a, a Coldplay song or or something like that. And uh, I, I think we might have worked on uh, Georgia on my mind and, and things like that that I was interested in. And, uh, you know, what really sparked my interest with the piano in the first place was seeing the movie Ray when I was a kid. And, of course, I saw the 
the edited TV version, uh, but the music just right knocked me out, you know, and still does today. Uh, and so when I really was able to start studying blues piano uh, and the music and the genre when I was eight years old, my father connected me with a local piano player here in Cincinnati named Ricky Nye. And uh, Ricky is just an expert on blues, boogie woogie, New Orleans, and jazz piano. He's been playing it his whole life and has played over in Europe countless times. So, you know, connecting with him was really so great for me. And in the early years of our lesson, it was like every couple of weeks he'd send me home with a new CD to listen to, and he'd say something like, Ben, just pick up one lick that you like from this CD and, uh, you know, bring it with you next week and show it to me. So he, he gave me a CD, and, you know, here's Little Brother Montgomery, or maybe we go to the Boogie Woogie guys. Here's Albert Ammon. Here's Otis Spann, Mose Alice. I mean, all these, the great, you know. Right. And, uh, and I started to develop a, a true passion and a love for it, and uh, as I got to be older, and, you know, my father was, like I mentioned, he's a guitar player, and he had led a band in Cincinnati since uh, my family came to the area in 2000. So I started sitting in with his band. Uh, 11 years old, we had a, a neighborhood bar down the street called The Lounge, and uh, they he talked to the owners, he gave them permission, so I came in, and I played like a mini set. It might have been a half hour. And then my mom picked me up and took me back home. <laughs> and uh, it was great. I mean, I felt like a rock star. You know, I'd show up because I couldn't spend any more time in the bar than playing. So my dad had the keyboard set up for me. He'd tear it down and bring it home. <laughs> and it's great because, uh, you know, I, I still work with my father to this day. And over the weekend, uh, we had a gig together. And, uh, and of course, uh, it's full circle. Now I'm setting up all the PA equipment. I'll bring his amp for him. And uh, he gets to show up with his guitar and plug in and play, you know? So, yeah, yeah I mean, there's so much. So, yeah, that was I was 11. I started sitting in. And then as I got older and older, I got more and more serious. So when I was in high school, I started geeking more regularly. And, and sometimes I would do gigs without my father, you know, and that was a big, uh, stretch for me. It's like, whoa, you know, can I, can I play music live without my dad? You know, cause we had always done it together. Um, but I started picking up duo gigs with, you know, myself and a drummer. And, uh, so when I was 16, I started doing about 70, 80 shows a year around Cincinnati. And, uh, I'm trying to think what was the next, milestone uh well when i was 18 oh wait no let's see i was 17 i recorded my first album in the studio that was called ben's blues and that was with myself my mentor ricky who started out as a drummer before he learned piano so he played drums on the record and produced it uh upright bassist chris douglas my father on guitar and then a special guest Stevie Schneider on a couple tracks on harmonica. Uh, so you and I were talking earlier about studio work and writing songs, and, and that was my first experience doing that. Um, and I just, I loved it. I, I really enjoy writing songs, 
and, and going into the studio and and then finally picking up that final product is so fulfilling. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it was a great feeling. So I, I did that. And then uh, the next album I worked on in the studio was, was even more special to me because I was able to do a session with uh, a local legend. His name was Philip Paul. He was the house drummer at King Records in the 50s and the 60s. And, and him and I had become friends. So he, uh, I asked him and he agreed. He was happy to go in the studio and we, we cut a couple of tunes together. Uh, and then the next session for that album, we had uh, Bob Margolin and, and Bob Kortor fly in and we did, uh, we did some recordings and then we did a, a King Records tribute show with them and, and Philip Paul. So it was just a whole lot of fun and, and a lot of powerful music. And, uh, you know, I've always been fascinated the history of blues. I'm a history student at the University of Cincinnati. So we just transcended a lot of time on that record. And uh, between Philip Paul and myself, I was, let's see, I was 19 when we went to record that album in the studio and Philip Paul was 92. Um, and it was just, uh, it was great, you know? So, uh, I was riding high from that for a little while. And then of course the pandemic came in, in 2020. We released that album in the summer of uh, 2019. So unfortunately we didn't even get to have it out, but it might've been six months, something like that. And the pandemic hit. Uh, and as you know, from all the artists you're connected with and everybody, it's just, uh, that was a really tough time. Um, my uh, my father and I both got COVID, and uh, I was okay after a couple of weeks, but my father got really, really sick. Uh, he was in the hospital on a ventilator for a couple of weeks. So it was a scary, scary time. We weren't sure if he was going to make it, but then he did. And uh, when he came out of his coma, and I was finally able to visit him in the hospital, uh, before he was even up walking and and being able to eat regular food on his own, he says, man, we got to write some songs for the next album. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's, we love to do it. So, you know, you asked me earlier about the, the songwriting process. Uh, not only do I love to play live music with my father, we love to write songs together. I mean, it's just, uh, we like to joke, you know, just tongue in cheek that, you know, someday we'll be the next Lieber and Stoller because <laughs> we love the songs that those guys wrote. So, um, so that's just one of our, our bonding things. So, you know, when he was in the hospital, we were coming up with ideas together. And, and when he was well enough, we went back into the studio and recorded an album called still here, which is really dedicated to my father. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of, of that album. I think, we uh, captured some really heavy stuff on there. Um, and I'm really proud that it did well. It got some nice reviews and, and some good airplay. Um, and then this, this past year, I, I did something different for the next record. Since I had had uh, four albums under my belt where I was the leader, um, I, I really wanted to connect with some of my heroes in blues and, and back them up on piano and then feature them. 
So uh, last fall, uh, we had legendary bass player and vocalist Bob Stroger come into town. And we did a couple of shows together, and then we did a, a session in the studio. And, and four of those tracks made it onto the album. Uh, and I don't know if you've had the opportunity to see Bob Stroger live, but he's just, uh, he's amazing. He's my hero. Uh, Bob, I believe, is 92 now and still touring and then traveling and playing and, and doing everything. So he's really an amazing guy, a powerful, powerful bluesman. Uh, and then following the work with Bob Stroger, uh, we had this blues singer come into town named little Jimmy Reed. And, uh, little Jimmy is, is one of the last bluesmen from the Baton Rouge scene, theme, excuse me, of, uh, Louisiana. And so he's just got this whole swamp blues thing going on and he can sing, play guitar and blow harmonica, just like Jimmy Reed, which is really amazing. Uh, so we did some gigs and recorded with him. Uh, I did a session with the great Chicago blues guitar player, Johnny Bergen. And then last, uh, did a session with another one of my heroes who I've been a fan of since I was a, a young teenager. Little Ed Williams came into town and, and we did a show and recorded. So this, this latest album is a culmination of, of all these sessions put together. And, uh, you know, I'm not so much on the forefront. I'm only singing on two tracks and the rest of the vocalists are, are the special guests. So I'm sort of taking a step back and, uh, working on my, uh, accompaniment skills and also, uh, you know, shine the light on, on these other guys and allow them to, to take the, to the front stage because, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm obviously still the young guy on the scene and I can't, sell the blues as well as uh, Bob Strozier, Lil Jimmy, or, or Lil Ed, you know? Right, right. Now, you know, so, um, when you get into the studio, you know, that's that's a world in it, in itself. You know, you can have great songs, and that's half the story, but going into the studio and capturing that performance, capturing that uh, emotional connection is, is an art form in itself. What is your process when you get into that environment that helps you get the sound you're looking for? Well, it starts with just surrounding yourself with not only good musicians, but good people. You know, I want everybody to go in uh, lighthearted and, and, and just have fun as if you're playing a gig. You know, I don't want to go into the studio with a musician who's Oh, let's do it again. Let's do it again. I didn't, I messed with it. You know what I mean? I just want it to be positive and fun. And, uh, I feel like as long as everybody's in the right headspace, you're going to capture something good. And, uh, you know, it might, you might have a take that says, okay, well, that wasn't quite it. Let's change up this and this and, uh, try it again. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with blues, I try not to be a, a perfectionist because sometimes the imperfection is, is beautiful too in this music. Oh yeah. It's some of the, some of the greatest moments in recorded history are more the mistakes than, than the plans, you know? Right. Right. 
Yeah. So, you know, you go into the studio and uh, let's say, we, you know, we were doing a session with Little Ed and, okay, well, here's the song. We're going to do a, a shuffle in G. Okay, Ed, you're going to sing uh, two verses and take a solo. Then you'll sing another verse. I'll take a solo. Then you'll sing it and I'll, I'll take it out or, or something like that, you know. So we'll have just a rough roadmap of the song all the guys in the band know where we're going and uh you know and that's another thing i I like to record everything live in the same room together because you know i I love the old school sound and that's the best way to get it so uh we all have to be able to communicate together because as you know when you record something live in the same room like that and if somebody does make a mistake it's there's no way to fix it because it's all together. You know, it's not isolated. Right. Um, so, you know, we're all looking at each other. So, okay. Yeah. You know, give each other the head nod. All right. We're, you know, we're ending it. And, um, and it, like I said, it's just fun. And, and that's another thing I feel like you can hear on this album, as opposed to some of the other ones, like I kept a lot of the studio chatter at the end of the tunes to just show that, uh, you know, even though it's a, a professional recording session, it really was a, a a casual thing for all the guys in the band. We just set up and played as if we were playing a gig and just making each other laugh and, and have fun with it. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, you're on the Viztone label, and that gives you access to working with Amy Bratt from Bratt Girl Media. Um, tell me a little bit about that relationship. Well, it's been really great working with Viztone. So I, I've been with Viztone since uh, 2019, and I, I connected with, with Amy and Rosie through Bob Margolin. And uh, it's given me opportunities that I otherwise uh, would have no idea about, you know. So I, my first album I was talking about was, was self-released, and I, I think we managed to get maybe two or three reviews and some local airplay. And then the next album came out on Viztone. And it, uh, it was amazing how much work Amy and Rosie put into it. I, I got some, some wonderful reviews from uh, magazines in the United States as well as in Europe. Uh, it received airplay around the country. And a couple of the tunes got played on XM radio a few times. So uh, that that jump up between the two albums, it just became obvious to me that uh, I wanted to, to be uh, a member of Viztone. And so uh, every album I've, I've had out since then has, has been with Viztone. And, and it, I think we have a nice uh, workflow together. Okay. Now, let's talk about the industry itself. Um Things have changed dramatically over the last 20 years, you know, due to the digital revolution. It's really redefined the music industry several times over. And what has happened now is that now consumers have really embraced streaming as a way to consume music, which has really hurt the independent artists because they no longer look at recorded music as a product to purchase anymore it's now just a service and if you're on spotify you know when they hear about your name they can look you up and they can add your music to their playlist if you're not on spotify 
if someone goes to look for you and they don't find you, they just discount you as being not relevant, you know, or not being, you know, worth listening to because you have to be on Spotify. How has this new um, perception by the consumer affect you as an artist? Well, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I still print and, and produce CDs and <laughs> every CD that I put out, it becomes a little bit harder to sell than the last one. Uh, when I was first producing CDs, even uh, four years ago, it seemed like the majority of the folks who saw me at my shows at least still had a CD player in their car. So that was the sales. Like, hey, you know, here's some music for the road, pop it in on your way home or what have you. Uh, but now even the car companies have moved away from that and they don't have CD players in there anymore. So that has just killed me. Uh, so, of course, streaming has completely taken over. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got my music on Spotify, and I I try to keep up and, and curate my own playlist to have people interested in, in, in my profile, and, and I'm able to follow and see, you know, who picks up one of my songs for their playlist. So, for instance, I was on the Joe Bonamassa keeping the booze alive cruise over the summer on the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to see from my Spotify account. Okay. Well, they added a couple of my songs to the playlist. And, and those are my songs that are getting the most plays on Spotify. Cause it's a really popular list. So, um, but as far as the monetization of it, I mean, that's really tough. I, I think in order to make money, the way streaming is set up, right now is, uh, you know, you have to be a star. And, uh, I know there have been some acts moved around in Congress. I mean, I think folks are, are trying to, to change it, to, to help the independent artists, but I'm not exactly sure where it all sits right now. So, well, uh, you know, Oh, so you go ahead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, um, if you really look at it as as a business model, um, independent artists, you know, even though they may not uh, account for the majority of streams, you know, because the major label artists, of course, you know, your Beyonce's and Taylor Swift's and so forth, they get huge amount of streams uh, on these platforms. But the bulk of the content really comes from the independent artist community. That's where they get the content for these these streaming services. And unfortunately, the way the, the payment structure is, is set up, you, it's not sustainable for an independent artist to continue to create recorded work and not at least break even on it. You know what I mean? No. We no, I mean... Yeah, we can't keep this up. No, something has to change. Yeah, because, uh, you know, pretty soon CDs will be obsolete. And then it's like, okay, well, if I don't have a physical medium that I can sell to to make up for the fact that I'm not making any money off of streaming, you know, <laughs> how are we going to, like you said, at the very least, break even. Now, 
vinyl gives me some hope, but I'm sure you know that vinyl is also really expensive to produce. Uh, since the pandemic, there's a crazy back order on the manufacturing, so it's really hard for independent artists to even manufacture vinyl if they're plan and, and they're able to. So it's just, a, it's a really, really tough time now to be an artist. Yeah. And I don't think vinyl is really the, the answer uh, because I don't find that the people that are purchasing vinyl from the merch table are not going home and throwing it on a turntable. They're listening on Spotify. They bought the vinyl to be a collector's item, something for you to sign it's a nice 12-inch piece of artwork. But it's not the, the, the way people listen to music anymore. You know, there's a few hardcores that are out there that, you know, that understand how to listen to vinyl. I mean, that whole term of audiophile used to mean something. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, know you can't throw something on a usb turntable and throw in some earbuds and say well i'm listening to vinyl no that's not how it works you know you right you know i remember you know back i'm an old guy i mean i remember we used to finance our speakers because they were important to the process of listening to music on vinyl you know right i'm sure you had one speaker over here and another over there and it was like a true stereo sound right you know and then you had you know you had to have a good preamp and a good amplifier and good speakers Mm -hmm. and you had to make sure that your turntable was not close to where the speakers were so it didn't vibrate and you know there was a lot to it back then and i don't think that you know that most of the young kids today that say they're into vinyl understand what it's like to really eke out every inch of what that vinyl had to give. You know what I mean? No, I, I would agree. Yeah, I would say most young folks who are buying vinyl, like you said, it's a, I, I don't want to say it's a, a novelty, but it's a, it's, yeah, it's a physical medium to show, hey, I, I love this artist. I support them. I've got their record. And and the, the those, the young folks that do have a record player, you know, it's probably one of those uh, portable like suitcase type things you open up and the record players inside and there's, and there's little speakers, something right. like that. Uh, like probably not on the auto file level that you're describing. So yeah, it is different. Um, but I, I'm sure you know too, that I think it was either two or three years ago that vinyl sales overtook CD sales overall in the U S. So well, you know, I don't think artists. it was so much the zoom of the trajectory of vinyl as the the imminent de- decline of the sales of CDs. You know, mm. you know, it it wasn't because vinyl became this huge marketing thing. It was because you couldn't go out and buy a CD player at Best Buy. You couldn't get one in your car. You know, you couldn't go to Sam Goody or Tower Records or wherever else, you know, even Best Buy to buy CDs anymore. There was no big CD section, you know, mm-hmm. even, you know, the bookstores, Borders and and Target and all those have really, you know, diminished their 
uh, CD rack or their music racks to almost nothing, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, the, the consumer today wants the convenience of streaming. You know what I mean? They, they, they really want that. That's the way we listen to music today. And that's a reality that we all have to look at. The problem is, is that we need to create a system whereby we monetize this properly. And one of the big problems is that companies like Spotify, and, you know, you can't fault them for it. You know, they go to the big record companies. They make out their own deals where they give the, you know, the large labels a bigger piece of the pie. Because, let's face it, they have the big artists. But, you know, there is this this whole movement going on to decentralize the music industry. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've seen happen is that there are these streaming services that are popping up that are based off of this blockchain technology, which is that technology that they use to secure... Um, cryptocurrency and one of the things with the blockchain technology is that no one company can control what's in that blockchain it's controlled by the fans and the artists that put up the content and they're claiming that these new streaming services are going to be able to pay the artists up to 80% of the incoming revenue which, that would be amazing. Yeah, that that would really help a lot to have that kind of a pool to draw from to kind of pay artists, you know, and compensate them properly for their work and their content. You know, uh, yeah. One of yeah. them is is Audius. Uh, there's another one called Emanate, uh, and it's really interesting to see how these platforms are uh evolving you know Mm -hmm. and and a lot of people say well you know spotify is so big you know we'll never get rid of them they'll always be there and if you look at historically through the digital revolution that doesn't hold water you know napster was too big to fail and they're gone um itunes downloading music and buying you know songs for 99 cents that came and went. That yeah. came and went. You know, when was the last time you saw anybody with an iPod? You know? And um, now we've got Spotify. And Spotify can be replaced. If the artists move to these new platforms, the fans are going to follow them. Yeah. Yeah. It would take uh, a couple of really big artists or a whole lot of... Uh independent small artists like myself i feel like for that kind of uh listening revolution to happen but i i hope it happens you well know? i mean it really it has happened several times you know already you know with you know napster and itunes and it was an organic process that really has you know fueled this whole streaming revolution and we can move now to this next phase, you know, fairly easily. Um, you know, at like Audius. Audius has uh, backers now from like uh, Katy Perry, uh, Jason Derulo, uh, Naz, Pusha T, 
um, and so forth. And there is even uh, this whole new world where uh, you sell your royalties to your fans. Uh, there's a site called Royal.io uh, where Naz went up and what he did is he took and he created these NFTs, these non-fungible tokens, which represented a small portion of his streaming royalties on two songs off his last release. Mm-hmm. And what he did is he sold that to his fan base and was able to generate over $600,000 in upfront income. In addition, he also ended up having, you know, 2,500 to 3,000 fans that now have an economic interest in making sure that his music is streamed. Mm-hmm. Because now they get paid like he was getting paid from the streams that, you know, that they get online. So this whole thing of getting your fans to invest in you as an artist but also as a um i guess almost like stock almost like a business opportunity investment where you know artists you know fans are now purchasing a portion of your streaming royalties or even a piece of your publishing you know down the line whatever the case may be this may be where we're heading in the future what do you think of that as a possible future for the industry? Well, I got to be honest with you, Rich. I, I haven't heard anything about that. So uh, you've just given me some things to look up and, and look into. So, uh, you know, if that's a viable possibility, um, it sounds good. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, it, something's got to happen. And there are, you know, there are people out there saying, you know, okay, we need to, because even the larger artists are hurting because, you know, the, the, the amount of streaming revenue does not come close to what they used to um, generate selling physical product. So now we we need to get back to some sort of product that you can offer to your fans and they can now purchase from you. And one of those things is these NFTs and these, uh, you know, that represent uh, a portion of your, your streaming royalties or your publishing royalties. Even Joe Bonamassa jumped in with this NFT world. Uh, he sold an NFT that not only gave you uh, an exclusive to one of his songs, which was you were the only one that got this recorded song, but he also attached a vintage Les Paul to the NFT. So when you bought the NFT, you not only got the song, but you also got a vintage Les Paul directly from Patamasa, you know, out of his collection, which I thought was interesting. He sent a guitar? Yeah, he sent you a guitar. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, so you can you can attach all kinds of things to these non-fungible tokens in, in in the physical world as well as in the digital world. So there there is a lot of opportunity with this as a possible uh, product or merchandising kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, you're getting into almost the world of, uh, well, yeah, cryptocurrency and, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, things. it's the same technology, but what you, what they, what they've done is that they've kind of moved it into the mainstream and away from the Bitcoin where you can use real dollars, real cents and purchase something that can be tangible um, to the to the fan. You know what I mean? A, a you know, a uh, tactile kind of experience for them. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with me. And it's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You may want to turn it up loud. Screw those neighbors. We're going to have some fun tonight.
Once I was elected man The heart is man in town Bad luck and trouble hit me people Yeah, it came me down Then I wonder why Everything seemed to happen to me artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Some magical means they've been able to change places with each other. That is. 
experience the hardships and have to do without some of the small things that most would consider to be very precious. I believe that they would think twice before they ridicule and embarrass people they know nothing about, except for what they've been told or what has been instilled in them from childhood. Things are not always what they seem to be, especially when you're on the outside looking in, instead of on the inside looking out. Walk a mile in my shoes 
the song for our ancestors of the Negro prison camps. We dedicate this to you. We send our love to you. And here it is. We need more power. Well, I need more power. I need more power. I need your everlasting power. I need your everlasting power. I need the power to save me. I need the power to save me. You know I'm talking about power. I'm talking about power. We're now everlasting power. We're now everlasting power.
has grown up to be a man. I'm the one. I'm the son of a seven song. I'm gonna beat down the devil. I breathe smoking fire. Come back from the dead girl Just to say you're my Wonderland You see The men, the men They just don't know it But the little girls, they understand When I say that I'm a man You better believe That I'm the man I'm the one
longer have to hear the blues in a smoke-filled nightclub on the edge of town. It's a pleasant environment, but uh, but in the 21st century, uh, you know, you don't even have to leave the couch. Just turn on the TV and commercials or as theme songs, you will see and hear the blues are everywhere. I'm Elwood. After dark in Hollywood 
shots of all kinds Follow fast screens Down on the boulevard of dreams In Hollywood In Hollywood
Someday, and that day may never come, I'll call upon you to do a service for me. But uh, until that day, accept this justice as a gift on my daughter's wedding day.
scale.
whole lot of loving Gonna take a whole lot of love If you wanna be with me I said a whole lot Whole lot of loving Gonna take a whole lot of loving If you wanna be with me Baby, take it easy Whoa, easy Baby, take it easy, huh? If you wanna be with me I said easy Whoa, easy Better take it easy, baby If you wanna be with me Sometimes you understand me Sometimes you bring me down Play me just a little louder Take a little more time if you want to be with me. I said a whole lot, whole lot of love. Better take a whole lot of love if you want to be with me. Sometimes you understand me, sometimes you let me down. Play me just a little louder.
moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues?
luck try to hit you right Bad luck shoots her through with a misery Black cat never crossed my path Never cracked a mirror on the wall Black cat never crossed my path Never cracked a mirror on the wall Hey, mirror, mirror on the wall You know, if I didn't have bad luck, baby I'd have no damn luck at all I'd have no damn luck
between belief and reality When ain't the other though at times it seems Might have found some absolute truth If it ain't love you might be confused It's been this way so long Have we got it all wrong? Another day, another problem
I guess there just aren't enough rocks. 
ask a question Please answer if you can Anybody's children can tell me Tell me what is the soul of a man
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Make you shout now, honey. Gonna make. 